Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo. I'm Bill, and I'm back for another episode with my buddy Sharpie. Hey now, Rip Ralph. Rip, wait, Rip, Rip, wait, Ripstick? Rip Ralph? No. Those who know, know. Those who know, know, Bill. Okay. Well, I'll send me the update in an email. Okay. Sure. Yep. I'll send you a... Put, put it. I'll, I'll put it in a manila folder for you and mail Please. it. Please. Postage due. All right. We're back. We... We uh we, we don't know what we're talking about, do we? We don't know anything. What we're are we? Lost. What what's this show? We do so many, Bill. Yes, all the great shows. I think we probably burned our brains out just trying to figure out if we could continue to say insolubilia more than that opening insolubilia, insolubilia, insolubilia. I didn't even get back to rereading the stuff about that that I wanted to because it was melting my head. Right, like. Like when you can't properly describe the liar's paradox to yourself, you're in trouble. I only said insolubilia three times so that you can edit in every time I have to say it. You can edit in correctly. So <laughs> I'm making like, some more work for you, Bill. Insolubilia. Okay, so right. let's just let's just talk about that. <laughs> the liar's paradox. Can I give you, can I hear news update that people may or may not care about, but we do see statistics on our show. Really, honestly, Sharpie, from what I can tell based on numbers, I about a third of the people, maybe just a little bit more than a third, don't listen to the hot dish because the numbers are not equal. So I think there's some people who are like, "Mm, I can only take so much of these two doofuses. That's totally understandable. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not for everybody. Not everybody wants a, a double helping. Yeah, you know what? I don't even listen to this show. That's not- That's also true. <laughs> I can't imagine listening to the hot dish as well. Imagine uh, having to be me. We have to. We do this, then I stop. I go back and I have to re-listen to the whole show, and I edit out the bits that we mess up or screw up. Or there are little beefy, corny bits in the hot dish that do not make it into this show. So. If you want the full serving, mm-hmm. you do have to do both. That's true. Anyway, insolubility. Or not. Yeah. It's just basically, it's uh, variations on the liar's paradox were studied under the name insolubility or insolubles. And yeah, liar's paradox, man. If, some, if you're a liar and you're lying and you say, I'm, or sorry, I am a liar, you're a person who says false things, but the statement you just made is true, which therefore, if you're stating that you don't tell the truth... But by saying so, you're not telling the truth. There. Oh, my God. I think I just said it the right way. And it just then there it goes on and on in circles. Right? Yeah, I think you were close. That's the paradox. Are they, are they a liar or are they not? If mm-hmm. they're saying they're lying, then they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or vice versa. I don't know. Well, well no. The, you know, I'm going to say it again for you real quick. For real. <laughs> I am a liar. By saying that, I'm, it's true because I'm a liar. But if I'm saying it's true, the statement I'm a liar is untrue because I've just told you I'm a liar. Because then in turn, if I was telling you the truth that I'm a liar, it also means I'm a truth sayer. Yeah, right? See, it's just it's Yeah, it's true. The, the thing I don't like about the liar's paradox is it deals in like absolutes, right? It's saying like, well, if you're a liar, then everything you say is a lie. But like a liar can also not lie. And maybe that's a sign of the maybe that's a sign of the times, Bill. Sharpie, I've got my own reality. I've got my own reality. It's not a thing. It's okay, fine. Let's get into the show. Okay. 
Tell me something new. We can come back to the liar's paradox later if we feel the need. I know you have some hypotheses on, you know, who is the liar and and what are they lying about? I mean, we all kind of of know something. Yeah. No, Uh, all of them, for real. I don't think Wayne's a liar. Uh, No. Or is he lying to himself that... Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I guess we did... Well, we nipped that one in the bud, I guess. The biggest liars in this episode are Dot and Roy, and they are mirroring each other's lies in different ways. But let's go. Tell me. All right. So we kick off the episode with the Halloween Town gang uh, rolling up on the lion's den. (laughs) You just make that up? The Halloween Town gang? Yeah, that's where they're from. Halloween Town. Great. Uh, It's it's more of a posse, maybe. Less of a gang, more of a posse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the Halloween Town posse rolls up onto the lion's den. We've got some interesting things going on in the lion's den. By the lion's den, I mean Wayne and Dot's house. Mm. Um, That's L-Y-O-N apostrophe S. That's right. And uh, Dot is cooking up something in the oven. Now, I'm curious as to what you think that might be, if that's a trap, if she's putting that in the oven specifically to set a distraction, or if she's really just trying to bake a nice little hot dish. But I'm thinking that she's setting a little bit of a distraction. Do you not? It's 100% on purpose. Because we know when we ended episode three, she saw them, she saw the van, and she's like, it's on. This was, in -hmm. terms of her, like, hit the emergency button this was step one yeah so she stashes her family in the attic right and then puts a little i don't know what it is chicken stock and vinegar um so then we see her duck into the closet which is pretty nice there's a very interesting camera shot there that's kind of sideways i don't know if you make of anything of that that i think is probably a reference to a coen brother scene that i'm neglecting to recall or i thought why they do it and then i realized i don't know maybe it doesn't matter but it's just I think it was just also an effect of trying to make us feel disoriented. It was the beginning of this. The they weren't in the house, right? The at, we're in this perspective of the 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 Halloween posse outside the house. Mm-hmm. But this is a this is a scene of inside the house, and it's Dot. If you slowed it down, which I'm sure you did, it's Dot walking through all these like hanging mm-hmm. ghosts and shit. And I think in the house is disorienting. Outside of the house is this regular people's street. That's what I think it is. Gotcha. Okay, I can get down with that. Um, so this is a long scene. This go. This is like a third of the show almost. Um, it's like fifteen minutes, and we don't need to break down the whole thing. But there's a couple little good no. nuggets in there. I'm still, I'm still bent on the fact that there's some absolute diehard references in this show, and I'm, and I'm calling it right now. Well, I called it a kind of earlier, but I'm still betting that at some point Dot says Yippee Kaye. <laughs> And what, do you know what I mean? Need... Do you know what I do? You, yeah. Do you know what I'm seeing in this Die Hard reference on on this episode? I do not. I did not pick up. I it, I want you to tell me because I it's the ladder in the air ducts. So Die Hard, you know, Bruce. It's, Willis, a, it's the laundry chute, John by McClane. the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, laundry right. It's a laundry chute, but it's similar to an air duct. Yes, sir. Uh, so that that's uh, and maybe I'm pulling a stretch here. Maybe I'm pulling a stretch. Don't care. Gonna stick with it. Gonna gonna keep forcing this throughout the entire uh, season of this uh, season of Fargo Talks Fargo. I'll ride the pony um, with you. But yeah, I think that's a diehard reference. It's John McClane crawling through the air ducts, getting to, <laughs> trying to save his family, man. I like and, that. And the, and the previous reference was the bloody feet, you know, walking along the glass. Also diehard. Come on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm hearing you now. Mm-hmm. Who's Hans Gruber then? Hans Gruber is... Is it Roy, Roy? It's or definitely Oli? Roy. Or, or is it Oli? I don't think so. Maybe. Mm, you could be onto something there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. 
man, I got a whole different thing out of that, uh, uh, the laundry thing and the ladder. Okay, let's get into that. How does it make oh, you I, feel, there's Bill? Nothing, no, nothing matter. It was just one of my usual dumb jokes. Uh, let's, what, can, can I back Josh is the back dirty up? laundry? Can yeah. I just, no, I just want to back up just a little, just mention Tiny Tim doing a cover of I Got You, Babe. It's oh. great. And I believe that is the version that is also features Bob Dylan. Okay. And as we've probably mentioned on the show, and you've already mentioned this season, that Bob Dylan spent time in Fargo and is originally from Hibbing, Minnesota, mm-hmm. back when he was known as Robert Zimmerman. So I like and the nice he, little tie, he, tie he worked at the Red Apple, which and was referenced the Red- by the Olmsteads. Yes. So I, I really think these people work hard at this show. That said, I think Dot, to a certain end, is playing a game. Mm. When they went in, it, everyone opened doors and saw mirrors, and it's a fun house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I kept thinking, okay, we got fun house, but I just love the way when she, you know, fast forward, fast forward, sledgehammer in the face, pepper spray, all that business, that Gator just rips the mask off and just goes, you know, what does he say to her? He's just like, Nadine, you know, basically, he just, I just love how much it breaks everything. He says, oh, he says, Jesus, Nadine. And then she says, there's a baby in the house. And he's like, she's like nine. I just thought that was super good. But what I was going to get at about she's playing games, um, she it's shoots and ladders was what I was thinking. Oh, I like it. But I really actually like, I kind of like your, I just, I'm with you. I want to hear yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, just as much as you do. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, man. But it's it's all real. It's all real to her. I'm not trying to pretend that Dot isn't dead serious. I just think it's the, everything's, a, it's a, she's gaming the whole system. She's gaming them. She's, I mean, in a way, okay, who's the liar? She's living massive falsehoods. And throughout the episode, she continually backs them by getting other people to continue down her, her whole thing. So, hmm. I don't know. And, and also... Giant nice piece of The Shining was in this as well. Mm-hmm. When he was smashing that door down, mm-hmm. you know, with the fire. I mean, he. D- I mean, he didn't put his face through it, obviously, but you know, very Jack Torrance vibes and a winter escape. Totally. You know, she yep. escapes down in the winter, down the trellis, and and all that. But it is what it is. Poor Wayne, though. Have you ever actually played Shoots and Ladders? Absolutely. How about Candyland? Absolutely. Shoots and Ladders or Candyland? Hi-Ho Cheerio, too. Played that. What are you going to go with? Oof. I, it, you know, as a, as a youngster, all I ever wanted was my brother to play a game with me. And if that was, you know, old school and I, he was nine years older than me, I, it was Stratego, man. I needed to figure out how to beat him at Stratego. That wasn't an option, Bill. I know. I'm just telling you what's in my heart, dude. <laughs> I can't deny the heart wants what the heart wants. Shoots and ladders are Candyland, and you say Stratego. Oh, Candyland. I mean, if I had to pick between the two, oh, it's 100% Candyland, because... Okay. Okay. How about Candyland or Operation? Oof. Does it have batteries? Or are you going to have to it search does, the house It does for have it? batteries. Ugh. Full... Operation. Full battery. Now, now, now it's Operation, operation yeah. Yeah, Operation was one of those games where... It was so fancy because it was electric. I don't think we could even afford Operation. I never had Operation. 
one more thing about that whole like uh, uh, the Halloween Town posse like mm-hmm. debacle. I loved how the mayor of Halloween. T- <laughs> yeah, I loved how the uh, mayor of Old Town got her teeth knocked out. How, in the beginning, that that mask has full teeth, and by yes. the end, the actual individual teeth are knocked out of the mask. So awesome. And then there's the line later where he goes, wipe that stupid grin off your face. Yeah. It's like, already happened. Already got that grin wiped off her face. Roy's church. The church of Roy. Yeah. The church of Roy's churchy church. Um... You're the theology major, so I'm going to lean on a lot of you for uh, some of this religious stuff. We've got this. We've got the book of Joshua coming into play later. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, you know, he's he's one of those corn-fed Christian men. He yeah. loves his Jesus. I found it funny that he, it didn't feel like he was praying originally. You know, he was, he's very much, uh, me and Jesus are pals. You know, well, old friend, you know, whereas mm. whereas there's a whole bunch of you were there other people who have a lot of di- a different like attitude towards their version of Jesus or Christ or God, where they they're a little more um, below and and hopeful for help. And he's just like you were there wait yeah, the, the midnight man with the serpent tongue, you know, like like Jesus and and Roy have had the same fucking battles like get real Roy. Yeah, we do get a little of his backstory, though. I mean, this is clearly a this is a story from Roy's mm-hmm. history of this guy, old Baylor Mays, cut his children to pieces apparently, and then killed his wife. And then Roy stumbles in on it. I don't know how old Roy is at this time. Do you, is he a lawman at that time? Is he just a kid? Do we do we even know? Um, do we know more about old Baylor Mays, or is that going to come into play later? I don't know. But we're at we're we're. We're getting a little bit of backstory that, you know, from for a long time this guy has seen some gruesome stuff and maybe that has shaped his like Christian sort of slash cynical view of the world. Right and wrong. You know, we we work from that and he works his way into the house. We eventually see that the what did you make of the the cuneiform or the runes or the whatever? I couldn't I still have no flipping clue what that was that that he that that was painted on the walls do you did you get anywhere with that in your kind of thinking or process no whatever whatever that symbol is they're clearly making it hard to decipher so i'm guessing we're just not supposed to know what i did was i redrew the symbol and like google reverse image searched it and found nothing i i I went through pages and pages and pages of runes couldn't find anything tried to combine some don't know Uh, either it's like a very 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 deep cut or we're just not supposed to think think too hard about it (laughs) realize the error of the show one of many i'm sure which is I did that on the commercial break, the exact same thing the night I watched the show. And had I just been honest <laughs> with you and told you the depths of my obsession that I drew it in, you know, on an iPad in an app, and then I Google reverse image searched it, I would have told you, don't do it. There's nothing there, bro. And I didn't. So I, I apologize. I apologize I so it. much to I you right it. now. I'm so sorry <laughs> that you spent that time. I obviously, and I just texted you the image of it as if you didn't already have it. So, fudge yeah i have it 
have the same image. I mean, you never know. We could have we could have come up with something different. You know, you you might have found stumbled across something that I didn't. We had to go. We had to go there. Can I can I talk about the magic that is John Ham for a sec? I I really do. I really appreciate John Ham. I am a massive Mad Men fan and. This is the first time, and I just sent you a picture. I texted it to you if you want to take a peek. Uh, this is the first time because John Hamm can you can act with your face, and after he sees that symbol, look at his face. That is the face of fear. He is freaked out. That's and go and mm. if you scroll back through anything, sure. Roy is always confident. He knows what he's doing. He's he's everything, and that there's it is a split second. If any of y'all want to watch it, it's right after he sees it. It's right before the break. He looks scared. And I, I think that's John. Like, that's a character development. That's a what's really going on in that guy's world. That's all. I just want to talk about that. It's just, that's the first time I, I, on the rewatch, I said, that is the first time I have seen what I would equate to fear in Roy's eyes. Now, is he scared? The question is, is he scared for himself or is he scared for the twins? I don't know. I just don't know. Hmm. I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole family. It's the whole. I don't know. Is it bloodline? Probably. Um, one of my things that I, one of the things that I liked about this whole little set of images is when he's talking, when he's in the church and he's telling the story of of uh, this old Baylor old guy, Be- old Beelzebub. <laughs> yeah, and when he says old Beelzebub himself, mm-hmm. that shot of Ula. Going down the hall where it's almost yeah. like the yeah. angle of a security camera. It's like this very voyeuristic uh, angle, which is very unique. It, it's only that one shot. And I thought that was a, that made that whole scene so much creepier. It is. It's eerie. It's very eerie. You're right. I, I, I do love it when the show leaves us with questions. And I do kind of love what it does to us sometimes. It maybe doesn't do it to every viewer or listener, but. This show, from time to time, it messes me up from the standpoint of I don't know how to stop my curiosity, like reverse Google mm-hmm. image searches and whatnot. But hmm. let's get to the hospital. Do you grab the? Uh, I on the second watch, I of course noticed the name of the hospital. Did you? No, I didn't. Actually, real, real nice throwback to uh, Minnesota politics. Uh, it is the Walter Mondale Care Center. Nice. Former famous Minnesota politician who also had a failed run uh, against uh, Ronald Reagan back in the day. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Lots of Ronald Reagan references in this episode. We leave this experience where Roy is in a church and having this ultra kind of religious experience, you know, and I'm thinking about these, these... this the beginning of the crafting of these stories, these people who are lying and the paradox they're creating between the things about them that are true, like I mentioned in the hot dish. Are you Dot? Yes. Is that a lie? Well, she does go by Dot, but she's also Nadine. I'm so is she lying or is she not lying when when somebody asks you, you're Nadine? She's like, no, I'm not. Um, so I'm just kind of building around this and this thing, and we open on this very vivid portrayal of a, st- a stag or a deer, right? And it's on there long mm-hmm. time. And Scotty's mm-hmm. asking her about the the demons. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. And yep. What is it? Dot tells her um, there's no such thing as demons. Uh, only men. And I thought mm, that's right. Could have said people or humans, but. I don't know if you know this in religious kind of like backgrounds and theologies, uh, the, the deer or the stag 
it comes from a lot of places. It, it didn't exist in Christianity only, but generally speaking, the stag or the deer is a symbol of Christ or who mm. tramples and destroys the devil, right? So they are underneath this giant protection, right? They're physically underneath the protection of Christ because what I, what got me about it was when she's talking to Scotty about don't talk about them, they're mean, and she eventually, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She says, follow the rules and think good thoughts and that you get the kingdom of heaven. So she's very clear that she has this idea that if she does the right thing, she will get her reward in heaven. But somewhere around me rewatching this scene itself, the first, the, like the two minutes or so there, did you did you catch anything interesting when you thought about insolubility here, or did you not make a connection? And if you didn't, that's okay. Uh, not about insolubility, but I've got some other stuff, so I'll let you keep rocking. No, well, okay. She's manipulating Scotty, teaching her how to tell the lie of the story. So we don't talk about them. And if you talk, and she's manipulating right. her. She says, if you don't, if you don't talk about, if you talk about them, they'll come back. And so she, I just realized, I was like, oh damn, Dot, you're you're manipulating your child's fear to make sure she tells the story you need to be true. Which, by the way, we we all got a mm-hmm. kick out of. The we've got our own reality joke, and he says that's not a thing. And mm-hmm. I just realized Dot is creating her own reality, right? By telling yep. stories, Roy is creating his own reality. Everyone in this show is creating their own reality. All the main folks of the show. So, so it so it is a thing. It is a thing, I think. But anyway, so bad things, and also mm-hmm. bad things don't happen to good people. I'm like, no, oh, sure they don't. <laughs> yeah, when this scene started off, uh, that's great. That's great about the stag. I really like that observation. <laughs> I was not on that same page at all. You know what I thought mm. of? Bambi. Ooh. This looks like a scene from Bambi. Oh, that's a fun yeah. one. That's, oh man, you're talking like that real early opening scene or no? Um, Yeah, I think it's like midway through Bambi. I mean, geez, I haven't seen that in like 30 years, but it's when Bambi's mother dies. It's like wintry, right? And the it's panning through the forest. And this is when Bambi's mother gets killed by the mean, nasty men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bambi's father comes in after that, as Bambi's looking for his mother, can't find her. And his father comes in. And what does his father say? He says, your mother can't be with you anymore. Ooh. I l- and that is the last scene in Bambi that we see Bambi as a fawn. And immediately after that, Bambi's like got antlers. He's grown up. He's prancing around the forest. So this might be the last time we see like Scotty in more of like a childlike vulnerable state. We might see Scotty come to her own and start to, you know, be a fighter mm-hmm. and not rely so much on her mom because her mom is, like you said, preparing her for the real world, getting her ready to stand up for herself even uh, and sadly the reality of the world that she's crafting i just sent you a screenshot from a scene from bambi and you're you're you're, you've mm. got a real great 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 look here and i but i will say that the that's that is kind of the poise of the deer and the stag and a lot of things sure sure i I think these i think you're right i think these are here's the deal we can both be right about this it you know what i mean like they, they can be they can they can they can live on their own and not negate the other Ooh, mm-hmm. goodness. I love how the scene goes from this like very cool look too, and as it as the camera backs out, um some like motivated light, ambient light like turns on and it warms up as you see the mother yes. coaching Scotty. Uh very lovely. 
it's almost like they're in a pause of their own, right? They're, you know, like, you know, like mm, they're, I don't, right. I, I couldn't call it a soliloquy, but it's, it's like a Zach Morris freeze. <laughs> time out. <laughs> time out. Oh, never enough time, Sharpie. Never enough time, Jesse Spano. But you are right. It is, it is, that's a fantastic thing. Cause, and if you, anyone who wants to go back and look at it, the, the color shift uh, happens not only in a, a pan down, and then they pull out. And as they do at about 1918, it goes from being very blue to very much more what we would call like yellowish incandescent lighting. And then, then we stay in that world that, that I'm going to call it the world baller, dude. So, so basically Bambi slash God is in this whole thing. Yes. And on to, but on top of it, I, you, do you agree that she's, she is, she's, slowly kind of indoctrinating her 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 child into absolutely into like you have to lie about this stuff because if you don't lie about this the bad men will come back the demons the demons mm-hmm. will come back which is so antithetical to the idea of christianity you don't you shouldn't lie you shouldn't lie you shouldn't kill people you shouldn't hurt people you should turn the you know anyway mm. fun times at the walter mondale care center <laughs> Wait, I skipped ahead. Yeah, yeah. All right. The cop shop, as I will call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cop shop's fine. Why does, uh, am I am I digging into this too much, but why does Olmstead's badge look so shitty? Like such shit compared to Wits. It does. <laughs> you know, they paid so much attention to detail in this show that it's hard for me to think that that's just like, uh,. Just what happened to you? Know, just what the prop, the prop team happened to come up with. Like that is so obviously different. You <laughs> pointed this out to me so early on, and I, I hate you for it because the problem is now that every time she's, you know what? We, I might, I just need to cut this from the show because we're gonna ruin it for everybody for the rest of the season. I hate it now too. I can't not see it every time she enters a scene with that <laughs> damn thing on. I'm like, God, it looks like trash. Like. All I keep we can't cut this. All I keep thinking is, well, maybe it's maybe it's because Scandia has had budget cuts and they have to just get like the plain patches versus the embroidered ones. Yeah, there's something there. Although, you know, you see her later with her jacket on and it looks and then she's got a nicer badge on her jacket. So it looks like it's just the backing of the badge and later on she's got like a gold piece that's like on top of that silver piece that you see that's just on her shirt. We should differentiate. One is a patch. One is a badge. To to me, the badge, like for a cop or a sheriff, a badge is like the metal thing you have. And you're right. That is on her jacket. That is on her, her outerwear. Okay. So this is a patch, you're saying? Yeah. If you look at it, it's not. I guess that would explain it's it. It's a patch. But now you got me. Uh, now, you know, now we're going to have to go figure this all out. And maybe somebody did some real research nah, that it. said, because uh, if you look at the outside of with Fars, he's got his like fancy gold one on him, but when he's wearing his jacket, there's nothing on the outside. Just his name. Okay. Nope, never mind, I lied. There's one on the outside. Those st- <laughs> dude, those it those stadies, those stadies get all the good shit. They they watch the scene again, and I, what I just love is that when they find out that the house is on fire, poor poor Wits always even with his injury, it's sort of a physical ailment of he's always just a little behind. Yeah, she's the to to a degree. She's the sleuth. He's he's not an idiot. He's just he was a little too late to the punch trying to figure it out. He gets his leg shot. He's a little late to the punch, and 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 Dot takes care of him at at the Revere 
gas and go or what what are, what are they calling it all the time mm-hmm. the it's a gas and go <laughs> and even when they're trying to leave this scene he's like oh, god dang it he's got to get up and get his, his cane and his shit together yeah late to the punch is a good way to put it because he's not like a dumb guy not at he's all. definitely not in the least uh i think he's just he's just like one step off like every single time like when he was coming across gator he was just missed like what he pulled out of that evidence room just missed it it's like space balls um, you just missed it when then now yeah. no what about then wait now is now and then is now and now is then you're watching then now Only we can connect this to space balls right but when is now now was then when just and now. now for a sponsor break Okay. This episode of my side of this is brought to you by Yellowstone Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. And no, I don't mean the television show. I mean Yellowstone the Whiskey. Delicious. 102 proof single barrel. Thank you for joining us on Fargo Talks Fargo. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Great natural Mm -hmm. read, Bill. Mm -hmm. Well, you know. How much money did we get from that sponsorship? uh, None. And in fact, it's just slowly destroying my liver. It's it's it actually cost it us did. money. It cost me money to buy it, and it's going to cost me money for healthcare. So we learn a little bit more about uh, Deputy Olmstead's debt troubles, yeah. and she likely gets a call from Lorraine's company. We don't know. Dale Pickney, though. Yep. Dale Pickney was the guy that uh, calls uh, Deputy Olmstead in her vehicle and says, Hey, you got this outstanding medical bill. And we learned it's from Lars degloving his ring finger. Mm. What do you make of that? Because uh, I mean, we know Lars bad liar trying to go after this pro golf, uh, career, obviously not going to do it. Has a terrible golf swing has, uh, you know, an injured ring finger mm-hmm. ring finger is interesting. Um, I mean, I guess that's what would happen because of, because of the ring, but, is it a statement about what being married does to him and or to her? Is yeah. It, or is it just or thinking. is it just an accident that, that exists because we know that's right. what degloving is. Do not, by the way, do not Google degloving. Just don't don't do it. Sharpie and I talked about it after we stopped recording the podcast last last Tuesday and I made the mistake of being like, well, it's this. I was going to send you a link and I was like, nope, not going to do that. Don't do it. Don't look up degloving. You have to actually click through it. Google even says, you sure about that? You sure about that? <laughs> and I, I clicked, yeah. And I'm, I, 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 I've seen some stuff. I, I have a lot of medical people in my family and I don't mind surgery stuff. Boy, ooh, rough. He, it was in a fall. What do you make of that? I mean, obviously you had to have fall, but I just thought, hmm, wonder what happened to him. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a Jimmy Fallon like incident. Nobody really knows. Did you like the way they set that scene up? The 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 layering. I liked the layering. That's why I assumed that this Dale Pickney character that called uh, Deputy Olmstead about her outstanding debt was probably part of what we learned is called Redemption Services, Lorraine's business. So I assume that's what they were trying to communicate there. Is that hey. Because you hear Lorraine Lyons, her voice starting to come in to play and over the top of the scene where Deputy Olmstead is talking with this debt collector. So I'm assuming that they're they're weaving those together because they are connected. It is Lorraine's Redemption Services calling Olmstead and saying, hey, like, you got to pay this $2,000 medical debt like now. And what Lorraine's talking about is 
she's being interviewed by I think like a guy from Forbes or something uh, about the success of her business and like how they're providing Americans like a way to fix things themselves. And um, I talked about this a little bit in the hot dish. If you want my opinion on that, you can go over there and check it out. But she's saying that Americans, they don't, they don't want a handout. What they want is a way to fix things themselves. And that's what redemption services, great name for this whole like universe offers people they she offers people a way to fix things themselves and what's so skeptical about the forbes interviewer is like he's saying okay so all these credit card companies all these people where these people amass this debt they couldn't find a way to recollect that money but somehow you could find a way and turn it into over a billion dollars in profit and by what by just like giving them some timetables, you know, a little a bit of empathy. Like, he's very suspicious that a company could be this successful collecting on debt that was deemed uncollectible by other companies, some of the biggest in the world. So there's suspicion there that maybe her business isn't as legitimate as it appears on the outside. I like that they collect, they're trying to collect on a medical debt, too. This wasn't in mm-hmm. at least at least on her part and Indira's part, like they're trying to collect on a debt for an accident. Maybe. Maybe she hit him with a golf club. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But versus the uh, the idea that she's like, we're here, we're you know, Dale Picnic calling to say, like, we're trying to collect on the debt for the golf clubs you bought. Nope. The medical bill. Like that's what they're trying to collect on. Yeah. And it's it's terrible. And she talks about the the powerlessness of debt. And redemption is it has has redemption, two. Yep. If you Oxford Oxford Dictionary, two meanings. One is a noun that means the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. That's cool. Cool. Good. Getting on that religious train again. Sorry. Number two definition is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Hmm. Who else is a highly religious figure in this season so far who has taken some sort of umbrage at exchanging payment mm. for a debt? Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Interesting stuff. And there's a lot of mirrors in this episode. There's a lot of mirrors in characters. There's a lot of reflection in protagonists and antagonists this season. Spellbinding. The Forbes interview interviewer goes on to say... Um, Aren't you the one calling at breakfast and dinner? <laughs> ah, that's so good. I liked that line. Uh, dinner. What time is dinner for you? Me now or me as a, a youngster? Oh, there's a difference? Yeah, well, I'm in charge now. Okay. Well, I think we're going to get to the gist of the question here. What time? 5, 5.30, maybe. Dinner Dinner around here is, okay, wait, we're also, we can mince words about, is it dinner or supper? That's what I'm saying. Okay. So dinner dinner for you is supper. Din- and he says breakfast or dinner, so I don't know if he's like saying... Because some people call dinner lunch. That is very... Wow. This is hearkening back to uh, an hour-long conversation between my dad, my brother, and I driving from here to Kentucky to Florida. You are really... You're being... It's, it's on to something. But, but I guess the other point would be there was... Lunch was like something that was like a snack to farmers here. In growing like in the old old days, not in my youth, mm. not in your youth. We didn't. Sharpie and I did not grow up. We have soft fucking hands. We touch keyboards and and mm. things that are cleaned with cleaning products. We don't we don't touch dirt. Uh, wait, well, sorry, not dirt. Soil. There's a difference. Um, 
You know what I do? I make software, so I do have soft hands. Bill's right. But I make software. I make software for farmers. Like I do a lot of farming mm-hmm. software for like heavy equipment. It's very interesting. It's very interesting to make like iPad software for farmers because they have like massive sausage fingers that they can't really feel. Yeah, yeah. you're like your hands and your your. Have you ever have you ever had to explain to a like a more rugged person whether they work with their hands that they try to touch the screen on a touch device and their hands are so callous that it doesn't register the touch? How many times have you had to tell them yeah. breathe on your finger, like go, and then it works and like oh, and you're like it's because your hands are dry. Get some. Also, go get the working hands thing and clean. Okay, we're okay. It's such an interesting demographic. Uh, I mean, it's relevant. It's relevant to the 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 area. So, <laughs> but I think the key of what they're saying, you know, there is there. I'll say this really fast. There's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and supper here in the Midwest. There used to be breakfast is the thing you do in the morning. Lunch is light. Dinner happens at what most people generally think of as lunch. But then eventually became dinner at five six. Supper was something that happened originally later, later. Like you can have a little supper later. I'm this is this is all from my. Mm. If you hey, don't at me, don't at yep. me on the internet. Point still is so I thought you were trying to make about dinner and the time of day was when you think about dinner. If we come back on track here, whether you call it yep. dinner okay. or supper, what time was that for you? Nighttime mm-hmm. around here for me. You had to be home and you had to sit at the table. And you had a meal with your family and my my parents, and I appreciate them for it. It was a time, just a short period. You didn't have to stay for an hour. There was no five-course meals. But it was the time you sat and talked, broke bread together, and had conversation about your day and your your stuff. And you had to say things like, may I be excused? But back, this is old school days. I grew up on ramen and Red Baron pizza, Bill. My story is a little different. Well, here's the deal. This is the reason I'm thinking about what they're saying is at my house... Whether it's meal meal time, just in general, was sacred. If the phone rang at our house and you you you'd either let it ring or you would pick it up and just click it down. No answering machines. No. Whoa. You'd, or really? you would you just or hang you up would on say somebody? or you would say we're having dinner and you would say it in a very midwestern passive aggressive tone, Minnesota nice. <laughs> like you would say, oh hi hi Sharpie. Well, we're having dinner right now. Or my dad would say, hello, Sharpie. Well, Bill's eating supper right now. Can he call you when he's done with that? Okay, nice talking to you. And he would hang up. Calling during... That has happened to me a lot of times. Calling during mealtimes is unacceptable. And that's why I think they're bringing it up is because it's rude. They know they're catching you at home. And in the Midwest, not only are they catching you at home... They're catching you at a, what I deem to be in in this this sort of era. Maybe I know this is 2019, but the values are still there somewhat. That they're they're interrupting you. They're interrupting your your special time. Not special like taking photos of the family. I just mean it's a respite from your day. And mm. they're going to be like, "Hi, I'm calling about your car's extended warranty." Shut the fuck up. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we're back at Walter Mondale okay, Hospital. Thank you. Thank you. No segue needed. <laughs> it's very clearly a Canadian hospital uh, because of the exit sign. Uh, they got such nicer exit signs outside of America. 
Ours just say exit. Everybody else has like a nice little icon that more clearly illustrates. Oh come on! You really like the uh. you like the person <laughs> running that somehow is to be. Yes, I, I want to get out of the hospital. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you the Canadian hospital bit. Uh, so Lorraine Lorraine shows up to Walter Mondale Hospital. Want, she wants the Saudi package, basically. <laughs> Thank you. The Saudi Prince package. <laughs> she wants doctors flown in, private suites. Uh, I've seen that before. I've seen like a whole Saudi caravan roll up to a hospital, and it is impressive. It, up here, do you know where that actually comes from? From like Rochester? That comes from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. They literally shut down chunks of floors for Saudi princes up there. Bring me back to the. Tell me about the Saudi package, Sharpie. Yeah, uh, she she immediately thinks she runs the joint. She wants to get people's names. She wants to get them fired. Uh, we got Wit and Olmstead, uh, Deputy Far and Deputy Olmstead coming in. And Danish, of course, wants to schedule a sit-in. Danish loves to schedule meetings. He always wants to schedule something with the authorities. He doesn't think they have the right to just like come and ask questions. Uh, but they usually just walk all over him anyway. Um, this is where we get the classic line uh, with all the Danish Graves says, you know, uh, Wit, with all respect, uh, you know, we've got our own reality over here, which we have already talked about. And Wit says, you know, that's not, not really a thing. Um, but what I loved about this scene was when we get to Scotty wanting something to eat and, and Dot says, oh, you want, like Scotty wants a Snickers from the vending machine or something. Dot's like, okay, that's fine. Um, what was so great about this is Lorraine had just gotten done with her little like rant soliloquy with the Forbes interviewer on how Americans don't want a handout. And then immediately commands Danish to give Scotty a handout, essentially money to pay for her Snickers. But well, what's great about this is she just got done saying Americans don't want a handout. Then she commanded for someone under her beneath her status to give a handout, but she refused to acknowledge it. She turns away and looks away because she doesn't want to see the handout happening. She's building her own reality, which is what we just said. Um, And it goes back to what you said earlier, Bill. It's all of these people are crafting their own reality. They're all within the liar's paradox. paradox. She is crafting her own reality, even though... uh, So Dana's just said, we've got our own reality. And that's what she's doing. She's creating her own reality by not witnessing the handout that is being given from her to her granddaughter. If she doesn't see it happen, it didn't happen. She's crafting her own reality. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the point of this scene. Yeah. I like I like a lot of that so much from that. I mean, and I know these aren't true paradoxical statements, but we're taking the idea of the paradox of you can say it one way and it's true and you say it another. And if you don't acknowledge both statements, they're both true, they're both a lie, and they're both bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't catch the turning away portion at all. I got that's a hundred percent credit mm. to you. I caught the idea that she, that it was like, I'll get you something, while I'll pay for it. It's also a, a a little bit of disrespect to Dottie, Dottie Dot, right? This is really hard. I have a friend mm. named Dorothy, and we call her Dottie, and so I just keep wanting to say Dottie. I know she's been through a lot of stuff and maybe she's just trying to help, but I also think that she just needs to run the show, but she's just assumed that Dorothy couldn't pay for a snicker bar if she needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That doesn't satisfy me. So, are we going to address this guy that's just demanding an enema? What do you make of this? I don't know what I make of it. I have nothing here. That guy's got enema issues, and it sucks that he has cancer. But my note on my rewatch, he's really concerned that he's full of shit. Because everybody Mm. that's talking in this show, this episode, is full of shit. Okay. (laughs) I like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's just funny. Maybe because here's here's the deal. Maybe poop jokes are just good. So they're just yeah, I like that. Everybody in this hospital is essentially full of shit. Everybody in the episode. Everybody in the episode. Roy, full of shit. Lorraine, full of shit. In some ways, okay. in like whether whether or not what they're saying is for the good of the world or for the bad of the world, everybody is lying about something so far. Everybody that's that's got a major point they're trying to make. Like Gator hasn't he's not lying. He's he's just he's just a doofus who can't complete, you know, uh Deputy Wit. He's not lying, actually. I don't know what's happening in politics. I'm not what I say I am. I tell you, you need to do this. I'm doing this. Everyone's full of shit. Everybody needs NM. Drain the swamp. Oh God, I can't mm. believe I said that. Sorry. <laughs> Drain Bill's swampy butt. Yeah. Swamp ass. We got to get out of that. All right. I like it. Let's go to the courthouse. Here's uh, what I liked about this scene. A um, couple things. Um, so we've got the feds, right? Um, what I liked about this scene is something we didn't really talk about earlier, and I guess uh, uh, you probably have something to say about this, but I love how the feds are sort of gender agnostic. And we saw that as a theme start very in the first episode with Scotty, right? In her suit and her tie and her um, crappy grandmother looking for her granddaughter. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a statement in this show is the gen- gender agnostic sort of feds that are coming down on Roy, you know, the wokeism, the, the, the woke folk are, are coming after him kind of thing. Uh, what do you think about that? Is that like a thing or am I reading into that too much? I didn't see the gender. What I just saw was the sort of like, um, overarching, like the feds are this wash of like, they all look the same. You know, they're all like Mr. Anderson in the Matrix. Mr. Anderson. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I also thought we took, interestingly enough, in this world, in this world of the Coen brothers in North Dakota, Roy comes out of his moist repose, puts his towel on, nipple rings and all, and stands above them in that shot, and they look small. They look like little people behind him. Little tiny people. Um, and he he he's sorry. Really good. He he kind of like speaks down to them about what do you want me to do about it? You know, this is what I do. I'm the strong man. And if you go rewatch this scene and you put them side by side with the judge, not as high as Roy, right? But he is doing the same mm. thing to them in the shot. And I know that it's and like oh. they're they're in they're they're like it's just another scene where the Fed, and I'm not saying I agree with this, it's just one more time where the Fed is being pushed around either by the state or a court that's different than the actual the fed the, whatever that's a great that's a great observation but but this time this time they at least acknowledge that we can't fuck with Roy I'm not Roy he's not as high he doesn't he's not perched as high this, this guy but he's a little lower 
And so he's like, I can't. You're down here. You're down here. Way down here. I'm up here. Roy's it's up there. It's true. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Every every scene these feds have been in, they've been They're literally being like talked down to. The, they're lower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so this judge goes on to say, um, you know, he goes on on this story about Mao and how they they had to get rid of the sparrows and uh, they had this big sparrow problem in China and the sparrow was eating on the seeds and they got rid of the sparrows and then all of a sudden they had all these locusts. Locusts has been a theme in this show before. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's basically saying, you know, we can get rid of Roy Tillerman, but Roy Tillerman, yeah, he's a nasty til- dude. Wait, but you, you know just made me question myself. Is it Tillman or Tillerman? Oh, crap. Til- til- oh, God. What is it? <laughs> Let's just cancel the podcast now. <laughs> it's over. Now we're we're hey guys, it's been great. I'm Bill. That's Sharpie. We're Fargo Talks Fargo. Tillman. Sorry, it is Tillman. Sorry, Roy Tillman. Not Tillerman. Not Tillamook. Oh, Tillman. great cheese, though. Uh, <laughs> great cheese. The best. Um, the best cheese. He's basically just saying, <laughs> we've got the best cheese. He's basically just saying that, uh, you know, he he's a bad guy, but he gets rid of even badder guys, which is like a common law enforcement thing, you know, mm. with they're, 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 they're always going for... Think of the children, Sharpie. It's for the kids? It's for the kids. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't need to get into it. I mean, that was pretty self-explanatory. Let's head on over to the monastery. And by the monastery, I mean the house of Ula Mukh. <laughs> Mama Monk's? Mama Munch's house? <laughs> Mama Munch's house, uh, Mama, where Mama. we finally get the payoff of seeing Oli in a bath, which is what we've been waiting for this whole time. Because they keep showing us. They were teasing us. They're like, here's a bath. Here's a bath. Two episodes. You know, Oli went on this mission to just, uh, really a psychological mission, to really just fuck with, the, the, with Roy and his entire militia and he done good mm. and now he is enjoying a relaxing spa he's done the hard work of the day that's right he's had his breakfast lunch dinner and supper and he's just trying to chill with his with mama but what do you make of this he's talking about freedom and how all freedom basically has a debt and that debt is life Freedom comes at a price, and that price is essentially death. Uh, if I can do my best to rehash the hot dish, I still think this is a commentary about when, I, when Monk was a boy, freedom was a potato. It was, you didn't get killed today, and I think it is a long statement uh, uh, on... People who are living on the bottom end of the spectrum of our, our our current capitalistic nature, or in the past in 1522, that this the best thing is that I didn't die today. That's the best. That's the best the world had to offer, and the fact that I got to eat was amazing. And but what I liked is that there, he wanted nothing more because only kings, the only people with means, had the ability to desire something more than even that most basic of needs and if they want it they call and if they want it they call it their own if they cannot have it they say they are not free they even pretend their freedom should be free that it has no cost but it always cost or but it cost is always death what i thought was interesting is that mm. did you notice that he said it's not their death 
It's mm. somebody else. Somebody else is gonna. Somebody right. else is gonna die. I'm gonna get what I'm longing yeah. for. Life for life. Me or you. And then that poor, which is sort of how I refer to my wife always. That poor woman. Yeah, it's something we always say when we see Bill walking by with his lovely wife. That poor, that poor woman. Mm. Have you come around? Have She's you come around woman. on it? Because I want to hear a little bit more about your bathtub monks. Like, take. Did you were you were mildly upset? Mm. It's the first time you've texted me during the show in a while, <laughs> and you just said, "Come on!" And like the pancakes thing messed you up, but. It didn't mess me up. I just felt I it just felt a little bit forced to me. I, I get yeah. you. I felt your vibe a little bit more. I was just curious if you felt my vibe that in the end it was like he started the idea with I want to eat and in the end he ended with I want to eat. The most basic of needs, one of the most basic of needs. I feel your vibe. It's just like he's such this um otherworldly character. I don't want to picture him craving pancakes, I think is all that's it. But that is like the Fargo universe. I mean, that is a it's obviously a call to Gare Gare Grimsrud mm-hmm. from the original movie, um, who wanted to go to Pancake's house. And he was also an otherworldly character, just like Oli is. So I guess it does make sense in the universe. He's just like, he was, he's, he's such a powerful figure with, you know, the runes and the traditions and the goat sacrifices. And I just don't, I don't uh, love the idea of transitioning from a sacrificial goat to eating some blueberry pancakes. Uh, mm. But that's the universe. And that's not, that's my own problem. <laughs> yeah. I still just think, you know, I mentioned mirrors early in the episode. I just want to kind of harken back to it and maybe maybe mention, and I'm sorry, we haven't got completely digested through some of the email that we got. Um, I do want to say that I thought some stuff. Mark, you, you know who you are out there. He talks about a little bit of synchronicity in episodes about both dot. I'm just gonna, sorry, I'm going to paraphrase you, uh, Mark, here, but he made some very astute opinions here. Uh, about because I, I think we're we're dealing with this right now, you and I. Um, that Dot and Roy both burn somebody's face around the same time at episode one and four. You know, Dot connects a bogus story with Wayne. Oh, that's the other thing we didn't even talk about. How Dot is also trying to convince Wayne to tell a certain story. She's trying to convince everybody to tell a story. Roy eventually we'll get here and we're gonna skip around because you've all seen the show. Roy is concocting stories about pinning it on somebody all for these things it's just it's just such a the second rewatch for me of this show was far more um truth telling a little bit of literally seeing the bullshit of every side of the story yeah i think you were right literally the the liar's paradox in this episode is everybody crafting their own reality because that's what everybody's doing dot's doing it with wayne dot's doing it with scotty uh roy's doing it with joshua which we'll get to later um, uh, Lorraine's doing it just with her entire business. Um, and with Forbes, she's just crafting this whole fake story. Oh, yeah, about- tie that one in. I'm not, I mean, you don't have to explain yeah. it. I'm just saying, like, good, that's great. Like, she's she's curating that too. Yep, everything's being curated, everything is being curated. But I mean, it. we both really mm-hmm. caught up on the We've got our own reality from the get-go. A lot of people, it's not just us, everybody. People comment on us everywhere. That's not a thing. Turns out it is. It's happening all the time. All the time. It is mm. a thing. Mm. That poor woman. Let's go to the, let's go to the Tillman house. Uh, can we, can you 
revisit something? Can I can I jog your memory and then let you lead us there? Okay. What jog, is the, jog we me. go back to the Tillman House? What's the first thing we see at the Tillman House? The first thing we see is a dead bodyguard. A no, dead even before that. What's hooked up, trussed up, and upside deer. down? Dead Did deer. you notice they're all bucks? Because around here, everybody shoots yeah. bucks. They're they're killing God. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. That's true. Lots of gods. Well, that's a lot of gods. But I don't know. It's just, it's the second appearance. That's true. Let's put it this way. This is, If you're telling me I'm stretching, eat it. I don't care. Well, no, I'm sorry. Tell me. I do care. I just disagree. <laughs> Why would they go through the trouble of having, there's a bunch of guys out front, strung up a bunch of deer, and then meanwhile, there's a couple guys on the steps with a guy in a body bag or in a blue tarp. He doesn't even get a body bag. It's, it's not accidental. It's not. Th- these people are too smart. These people That's are true. too smart who write for this show, who produce this show. Yeah, you also don't accidentally have a three bucks hanging from a pergola. Man, that's a lot of around these parts. That's a lot of that's a lot of tags. Yeah, I don't think they're paying attention to tags. I bet you they're all gratis. If you know, mm. you know. I should say. What I, what I liked about this first scene, though, uh, and this is a shout out to I think it was Ruben who emailed us way back. Mm, episode good old one. Ruben. Um, so there's a so so they're bagging this henchman, and they said, "Yeah, the boogeyman strikes again," which I think is basically another reference to. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas, and that Oli Monk is the boogeyman. Uh, and we got an email from Ruben way back in the day who said, hey, he thinks um, his hypothesis is that Oli is Oogie Boogie from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas because he's got that like burlap sack over his head, which is basically entirely what Oogie Boogie is in Nightmare Before Christmas. He's just like one big yeah. giant burlap yeah. sack. Um, and that kind of comes to fruition here. They said, hey, boogeyman's, the boogeyman's back. What else do you? What else did you pull out of this this scene of like what they're doing? Like this this porchy scene. I think they're gearing up for war. I mean, we've seen this before in this um, in this whole Fargo universe. It's sort of uh, you, you're starting to see all of the people starting to gear up. They know that like we've uh, had a couple battles and shit's about to get nasty. Short and sweet and leads us to another yep. scene as a sequitur, but like I thought the part I got was this is the second time in four episodes that nobody is shaken by getting rid of a body. Yeah. Business as usual. Yes. Over at this ranch. Yeah. In yeah. the Roy in the Roy Tillman world. It's just well, it's just another body. Well, where are they going to put that guy? What fake? What fake thing are they going to create to uh, explain away his death? Yep. So the other thing is, you know, so he says Gator says, "Where's Roy?" Which I had a moment where I thought, "Oh, it's not his dad," but we do know it's his dad because he calls him dad later. But where where do we end up, Sharpie? What do you mean we end up at Joshua's house? Joshua and let's call it Lenore's house. Oh, do tell. Okay, so you remember way back at the, uh, what was that diner called? <laughs> Little Texas. Little Texas. <laughs> that scene in the very beginning where um, Roy was giving a little scolding to this guy named Joshua for beating on his wife. Joshua's kind of a bit of a little prick, uh, not a very nice man. Did you just, say so, a bit, did you just call him a bit of a prick? <laughs> he's a bit of a prick. He's a full-blown, um, he's a full-blown asshat. I think I think this scene is a you know you know what I love about this Roy's 
playing this whole world like a chess game. And he knew by meeting at Little Texas that this guy is going to be a little pawn in his game at some point. And this is where that's coming to fruition. So Roy's playing these chess pieces. Like he's coming into this world. He's saying like, okay, I'm going to go back to Joshua's house and use Joshua as a placeholder for this Oli character. I'm going to solve this whole gas station debacle. And and this guy's going to be my pawn to do so. Right. Okay. You don't follow. No, I'm. I'm just. I'm. 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 I'm acknowledging. I'm listening to you. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Roy shows up at Joshua's house, back this this wife beater's house, and he's like, "Hey, you know what, man? You're you're not doing so good. You're you're still beating on your wife. You're not doing what I asked you to do. You're be you're still being a prick, mm. and I'm gonna come down on you for that." And because he knows what he's trying to do, he's trying to get a rise out of this guy, right? He's trying to get him to draw his gun, is what I think, so that he can put him down, knock him out, shoot him dead, and then use that guy as the suspect in the gas and go shooting or okay. whatever you want to call that. And then kind of wrap that up, put a little bow tie on it, uh, get the feds off of it, get everybody else off of it. Away we go. That little story's wrapped up, and now we can kind of go secretly go for Oli without people, without having to like look look behind their back or look over their shoulder. I I agree and disagree simultaneously. Is that okay. possible? I like it. I, like I don't that. I like know. It better. I don't think. I don't think Roy showed up planning to do that. In no, general. I okay. think he, I think he showed up to be a pious asshole. But why would he just? Why would he just do that? I mean, he's either coming for a welfare check on Lenora, which he probably doesn't. I think he does. I think. I think he gets off on it. He gets off on showing up and telling who, telling you what's what. I think what changes his mind. So even the Joshua thing, we can visit about that in a sec. I'm I'm using the cinematographer here to my advantage, or the editing, or whatever you want to say. All of them. He doesn't have a change in character until about 39 minutes and like 30 seconds when she pours him, she refill, she warms up his coffee, as we would say. And she has a huge bruise all the way around her wrist. And when he sees that, his demeanor changes. He's like, you've, he's clearly, you already, you, you, you took to him the way I told you, woman. Okay. And yet he, Hasn't done it. And meanwhile, as he's been talking to Joshua stuff, he's he's getting pissed. The the both of them are getting pissed at each other. Like, I don't need to take this shit from you. And he's like, I don't need to take this shit from you. Meanwhile, she's just standing in the kitchen, you know, which is unfortunate because it's just like stay where she is. Do you ever notice she almost for the most part, with the exception of filling up his cup, she never leaves the like she barely leaves the the kitchen to come to the living room. Mm-hmm. It's it's like she's sadly visually even in her not it's not her place not in my opinion in the the world of Roy and her asshole husband she's in her place I don't know that's my I thought. think that I think that the episode where he was at Little Texas in the diner I think he was basically creating a debt owed to him by this guy Joshua Roy's creating this debt that Joshua now owes him because he's protecting him and not arresting him so now Joshua mm. has a debt to him Fun. and this is him collecting on that debt 
with his life. I dig it, dude. I dig that. I like that take. I, I, I don't stand corrected. I stand amended. Is that fair? No, I mean, what you're saying is good, too. I think we can, again, we can both be right here. I think he is, um, he needs to wrap up that gas station situation, and this is how he's going to collect on that. The key, I think, too, is that this is another another scene where Gator shows up a day late and a dollar short, according to his dad, which is mm-hmm. then reflected in, unfortunately, Deputy Wit, just, just a shade too late, except he's doing the right things and Gator's not. Boy, this scene is just so interesting from the standpoint of what he's doing, what he's talking about, why he's there to check up on him, and he's doing it alone. I think that's the other thing that's interesting is that you know, they're all skin and deer, and he's he's out there giving a sermon on Joshua, Joshua which, sorry, Yeshua is like the, the Hebrew word for Joshua, which means God is deliverance. Mm. And he is about to deliver some shit because he thinks he's God. Yeah, I don't know. So he's he goes into this little monologue from the mm. book of Joshua, and I don't really remember a lot of that from my uh, junior high days of confirmation. Um, <laughs> I do remember, you know, in, in that story, it's basically Joshua's leading the Israelites, right, to cross the river Jordan. He's like the new, he's like the new Moses. He's the new guy and, in charge. He's the new sheriff. You're right. Yes, exactly. They're going to part the Jordan River, cross over, and then basically go to war. I mean, that's like what that whole book is about, as far as I remember, and I'm I'm no biblical scholar, but it was a lot of fighting. It was a lot of fighting in the book of Joshua. <laughs> it was I just, just constant war. I just like the idea that, he, that it's another instance in where he's talking about his people and his kin, right? You're not the good Joshua. You're the bad Joshua. Because, mm-hmm. right, isn't that sort of what he's saying? Uh, or like, I think I'm I'm looking to you to help validate me, I guess. Because doesn't he say well, something to the effect of like, are you, like he's like, are you one of the good ones? Yeah, yeah thank you. That's the line. Are you one of the good ones? He's like, so the Joshua that I like is this guy. You're not one of those guys. And that's when the gun comes out, and he's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? And all this shit." And then of course he like turns it into a a whole like, "Let me tell you about my ancestors." And that that they mm-hmm. he was at the big mound of dead buffalo, like fucking whatever, bud. Yeah, I think a lot of Christians will describe the Book of Joshua as like. God's justice, God, God getting justice on human evil. And I think that's kind of how Roy views himself. He views himself as a God coming down on human evil without recognizing that perhaps yeah. he is part of that evil. And in the book of Joshua, God is just like commanding all of this war. So like, how good are you really? Um, well, so there you go. What like paradox. Insolubilia. Boy, Gator just shows up at day a, a dollar short and a day late all the time and well what was the line he said about he, he after it all happens he's like don't bother i can see it all over your face this is mm, another yeah. moment where he goes i already know you're a fuck up and i can't get it you can't get anything done and mm. he says oh for three then he says something about like oh he worked you over pretty good and she's like lenore and he's like no nadine like and then he says it's like he said, some kind of tiger. So they've brought it back again in this episode about her being a tiger. I don't know where we're going with this. And then the, the husband got hurt and the house caught on fire and blah, 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 blah. And then this is where, much like 
Or do you feel that way now? Do you feel like mm-hmm. this is where yeah. Roy is crafting his own truth uh, that you very rightly caught on to of that, yeah, he's just, he's building it. He's building his own stack of lies to suit his own needs. And you yeah. don't, and you don't, and what they're doing is, is they're, they're, we don't like Roy, all of us, right? We're not supposed to, but we all like Nadine, but let's talk about this for a hot second. They're both, okay. they're both lying. That's the hot second. Yeah. Like, which lie is good and which one's bad? We might find out she's a nasty, a nasty woman. Ooh. <laughs> nasty man. You're really going down that path, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Now, Roy creates a story. Lenore, clearly unhappy with her mobile home sweet home, now gets a friend. Because what was it in the episode? He says a friend of the Tillmans doesn't. Or no, that was earlier in this episode. Anyway, you know what it is. You all listen to the show. But he says, makes a story to help close a loop. And then he says, cash in pocket. Roy Tillman never forgets a friend. Damn. Mm. We've, he's also now, for the story, has just created a debt to him exactly. that will need to be paid. Exactly. Mm. So she might get a little cash in the pocket every month, but you know, there's a debt there still. There'll be interest on that. And then Roy. Ooh, yeah, right. Isn't interest is the killer, isn't it? Not just mm. the debt, it's the interest. Mm-hmm. It's the vig. That's the vig. And then Roy rides off into the sunset like Ronald Reagan. It looked pretty. Good God, we got to wrap this thing up. We sure do. I enjoy this. I enjoy the uh, people who send us notes. Podcast at Fargo Talks Fargo. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, uh, podcasts or wherever it is, or send us a note where we do our best to get back to you. Um, did, did we have a, a, a half-assed end of game sponsor read? We absolutely do. This episode is sponsored by my app that I make. It's God. called Cora. It's like Laura with a K. Mm. Thanks, Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a cool little app for uh, listening to some soundscapes if you want to focus or meditate or do some yoga or go for a run or go for a walk in the forest. You can do whatever you want. We got a cool playlist feature for you. You can uh, use it however you want. It's only a couple months old. I'll put a it's link. Good. We'll put a link in there. <laughs> That's a fake sponsor, by the way. It's a real app, but a fake sponsor. <laughs> There was no sponsor. By the way, there was no sponsorship from Yellowstone earlier. That was not real. I, the 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 bourbon inside my body is real. The sponsorship is not. Um, I like this. I like I like the idea of fake sponsors. On we'll have a couple new ones for you next week. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Cape Cod Scott. Thanks for the email. Miss you, buddy. All right. This is the most we'll Minnesota long goodbye ever. <laughs> Uh, crunchy peanut butter or s- smooth? 